This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Welcome to Melbourne, where attention has moved from the ATP Cup to the first Grand Slam of the year, the Australian Open, with the great and good of the tennis world who are fit and healthy, ready to fight for the biggest prize of the year so far. My name's Gigi Salmon, and I am delighted to be joined by two ATP tennis radio regulars and also two voices who will become very familiar to you over the course of the next couple of weeks as we rebroadcast AO Radio on ATP Tennis Radio. Peter Mercato and Chris Bowers. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be with you. How is your Australian tennis summer going so far? It's been a great summer. I think the ATP Cup was a great success. Um, to have uh, the top two players in the world in the final was fantastic. And uh, I think the, the great thing, given that Australia has been making news around the world for the bushfires, in the last three days, it slips down the uh, consciousness doesn't mean that the problem has gone away and depending on wind direction it may come back but the great thing is we have been able to talk about tennis for the last three days which at the middle of uh, last week we weren't sure whether we could. Peter you were we were we weren't waiting for you today but we are recording. <laughs> oh, okay hello to you too happy new year nice to see you both. But well, Chris and I you were having if we call Chris are you having to would you call it a prep day a preparation day? Absolutely I mean there's plenty of them in the run-up to uh, a Grand Slam tournament but in particular I mean I'm heavily involved with AO Radio, so yes, lots to sort out. But yes, just getting sure, making sure that everything's ready for uh, 11 o'clock on Monday morning. So yours was a preparation day. I flew in last night, so I feel like I've just been run over by a bus, which is also another reason why I'm glad you're here, because I feel like I've been saying some strange things. Who's driving it? So, <laughs> so, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> a bit, but you have been qualifying run over a little bit, and yes. you were wrapping up a little bit of qualies earlier today. Yes, so the qualifying draw with all the, the smoke haze and the rain and everything meant we went one day extra which is fine and I also did tournament in Brisbane so straddled the ATP Cup and then the women's event after that so be magnificent. Now Chris you mentioned AO Radio I want to do this at the start because that's an important part of these two weeks because we are rebroadcasting so what can we expect? I mean, we're doing all the matches on the Rod Laver Arena, all the singles matches, plus the main draw doubles finals. Um, also, at the end of the day session, if there's matches going on uh, on other courts, we'll be doing those. And uh, uh, some of the voices that you'll hear on AO Radio will be voices that you know from ATP Tennis Radio throughout the year. Jill Krabus will be part of it, uh, Simon Cambers. Uh, I hope you'll be joining us at some stage, Gigi. Peter will he be paused a, big part a little of bit, it. didn't he? Um, <laughs> Steve Pierce, um, maybe Nick Lester. We'll see. We have to be fairly flexible about this because you never know how long matches will go on. Um, but we generally try to have uh, an Australian voice and a non-Australian voice on pretty much at all times, so that you get the flavour of it being an Australian tournament, but very much an international event. And that's what we will be putting across. And basically, we hope to have some fun. And uh, a lot of it depends on how much material we have to work off uh, from the court itself. But uh, when we don't, you know, when you know, you can't expect every match to be a blockbuster. And when it's not, we hope it still be great entertainment. And I find, because I'm out here working for BBC Five Live, and our commentary box is next to AI Radio. And as we, it's a staple of the preview pod that Peter and I have done the last couple of years, I hear Peter on well, a regular basis because the rooms are not as soundproof as they say, or your voice is just louder than soundproofing. Well, and we. 
And we had at the ATP finals uh, in London, the people next door were sort of, uh, they were curious about Peter, weren't they? They were sort of, uh, I think Marcus Bagdatis was was thinking, oh, that's an interesting way of doing it. It is. Look, it's a soundproofing issue. They haven't quite put the soundproofing in the walls. Would it not be a volume issue? I'm I'm very quiet and reserved, as you know, when I do AO radio. Uh, We're speaking to you, we're we're outdoors, so Peter can be as loud as you like. Last year, we were in the Rod Laver Arena, weren't we, in your commentary box, but there's three of us this year we're slightly to the side of garden square or do we still call this garden square where all the spectators will be gathered we were actually i suggested to chris that we sit in the middle of garden square really feel the atmosphere but when chris and i came in the entrance today peppa pig was on the main stage and i thought while atmosphere is good probably not the right atmosphere for this podcast kids tennis day today is when we're recording this so we've had thousands of kids through there have been a couple of just very uh, small changes to the site around yeah, here. Yeah, no, tell me what's, down, what's new for this year. So there's now the site extends all the way pretty much from the CBD of Melbourne and as you walk along the river, there's all sorts of activations and things going on. Then you hit Melbourne Park. We should just say that CBD is uh, downtown in America or city centre in Europe. And it goes all the way to the other end. So there's a, a train station all the way in the suburb of Richmond. So it's all the way past Melbourne Arena and the practice courts out there and that's where the kids zone is. So it's stretched again to try and get more people in presumably uh, we've just worked our way through a, a labyrinth maze that you'll see on the pictures if you're watching the coverage across the two weeks that there'll be a great big hole in the middle of Melbourne Park and that's where they're putting in the new sunken show courts I think that'll be ready for next year or at least the year after and there'll be a new media building that'll be coming up so you see a big hole in the middle but apart from that few changes. The seats on Rod Laver Arena have all been replaced. I don't know if that's a massive breaking news story, but they're now all blue, which is great. It is worth saying that we are doing this on Saturday because the thing about podcasts, they can date so quickly. We might be talking about a player who come Monday morning is no longer in the tournament for whatever reason. But the seats will be there. Yeah. This, oh yeah, the yeah, seats the will be there. They're not getting the rid of them. <laughs> that's a good constant to have. Really. The seats are staying. The players, you never know, might change. I have to say, though, and, and both of you, because you've been here. Chris, when did you arrive? Uh, Thursday. And you're always I've, here. I've been here. Always yes. here. Yes. The question I've been asked the most since I landed, which was only a few hours ago, is about the air quality. From yes. my mum saying, are you OK? Should you be going outside running? To friends just saying, what's it like? And what does the sky look like? Today, it, it's felt quite clear. And I was out there this morning running and it felt OK. But what is it? been like over the last few days especially horrible horrible until we had the storms a couple of days ago it just drifted in and because we've had light breeze coming through it just meant that it's just carried and stayed so the air quality has been terrible we've had all sorts of warnings about going outside and exercising and that sort of thing the fact that it's been quite breezy over the last couple of days has meant that it's pushed the smoke away so we get some sort of uh, respite from it although where the bushfires have actually been they've got no respite from it because this is an ongoing situation don't make the mistake that just because it's dropped down the order a little bit that the crisis is over it's it's going to be around for weeks to come and there is a chance that it actually will come across again because these fires are still burning so you're going to have the same problem if the wind drops and it comes in on the jet stream that we're going to be have it descending as well and it obviously has caused problems for the qualifying draw we've got three roof stadiums it won't be a problem uh, for the main draw but it might have an effect on the outside courts 
The rain has obviously helped, but I gather it's a fine balance between having too much where the rain can then run off and in, into the water supply and create all sorts of problems, but having enough to douse the fires. Exactly, and that's the thing. So it creates, uh, it solves a problem, but then creates other problems in terms of now that the undergrowth no longer exists, that it does make things awfully dicey to try and get in and actually fight these fires. So, you know, we had the rally for relief um, during the, the week leading up to the Australian night, Open, yeah. which was fantastic fantastic and, and really raising money. We've got Tennis Australia and I know ATP and WTA are closely aligned in terms of $100 per race going to the bushfire appeal. So everyone has really come together because it's been something that's been quite unprecedented in terms of the severity and the length. And, and I know you two coming across from the UK, you would have seen the pictures, the dramatic pictures, just like we were across uh, Christmas, New Year. I have to say, I did enjoy on social media when Nick Kerr said, I'll have, was it $200 per eight? And then someone said, I'll match it. And then someone else said, well, maybe I don't earn as much, so I'll put this. And someone said, well, I don't really serve aces. How about double faults? And, and Simona Halep said, every time I yell at my coach, what about if I donate money for every time? <laughs> and, and I like the way, because not everyone is going to boom down hundreds of aces, but they were looking to their strengths. And in her case, it was yelling at her coach and saying, look, you're going to make some money out of this. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's make it a money-making venture. I know this is going to happen, so let's continue <laughs> along those lines. And she's back with Darren Cahill. So, you know, uh, Darren will be happy for any, any stick that he takes to benefit the bushfire appeal. So that's going to that's gonna continue on and on. But if I can stay, we, we talked about Nick Kyrgios. I want to get your thoughts on Nick Kyrgios coming into the Australian Open, how you feel he could do. I don't know, what, what's the press like at the moment on Kyrgios? Well, I think, yeah, you've got to you quarantine out the, the charity side of things. I think the fact that he played Davis Cup last year was a positive. The fact he's playing a team event to start off the season really helped. And the ATP Cup, one of the strengths of the ATP Cup, as we talked about in the previous podcast, was... The people who like playing in teams thrive and certainly from an Australian perspective we saw it with um, Canada as well because they were all together as a group for Davis Cup they just moved to the different tournament same with the Aussies as well he thrives in that environment and and from that we got really positive response because he wanted to be there he was engaged he wanted to fight for his country and he put in a superb performance so the tide I think is starting to turn on that but the question for me is when he steps out of court against Lorenzo Sonigo in the opening round and he is on his own how will he react to that? So what can the Australian players and the people involved in Tennis Australia do to try and recreate that team environment? I mean, someone like Alex de Minor is out. Can he actually sit courtside almost like a like a coach? He can't obviously coach, but can, can they create something so that he gets that sense of playing for a team rather than just for himself? Well, he could, but Diminor's not actually going to be here and he's not going to watch a frame of it too because he's so disappointed that he's out, which is unfortunate because... Yeah. Boy, it was a hell of an ATP Cup for him. It comes back to the players' box. And, I mean, some of those players, when you're in the first round, they're all busy doing other things. They're trying to play and get through to the second round as well. So it does make it trickier. The thing for me might be is that if they put him out, his matches out on Melbourne Arena. He loves playing on Melbourne Arena because you do get the crowd. And they do get, uh, for want of a better term, loose out there. Well, that's not fixed ticketed, is it? So no, any, anyone so with anyone the can wander in. Can... And so he loves being in that environment too, that they're all going to be with him and, and that sort of thing. But it just, when he starts moving onto the bigger courts, like onto Rod Laver Arena and he might... And when the pressure builds as well. Exactly. How he handles those points. And, and this is the, the question mark because he does feel the pressure here and he wants to, we know he wants to do well, but it just hasn't been able to put it together. 
And I think the tide turning also on the fact of his entertainment value in that, yes, he will do the through the legs when it shouldn't be done and the serving and ask the crowd and all that sort of stuff. I think there's a growing movement now to, okay, this is who he is. We're going to accept that. We know that there'll be some missteps along the way and as long as he doesn't step over the line, we want to see this because he will be bringing people in to watching tennis, not just the tennis fans, but the theatre goers who might take a passing interest in sport will be coming to watch him in the years to come and that's where the the appreciation is starting to come from and the tide's starting to turn. Yeah, and I no, don't know anyone who has quite that effect since John McEnroe was playing. People would turn up to McEnroe's matches just because they weren't quite sure what was going to happen. It was likely to be more than just a tennis match. Kyrgios is the first person since the McEnroe era who has that buzz about him, for good or for bad. I like the way you describe the crowd in the Melbourne arena as loose. Mm. I feel that's I feel that's a rather large generalisation, Peter McCarthy. Well, you, with the atmosphere, you can hear it. Right? You, say you can hear me in the next commentary box. You can hear so the Melbourne arena crowd. are you rather loose crowd. too? Oh, I'll leave that to others to decide. <laughs> but you, when you're sitting on Rod Laver Arena, we've been in there when it's happened, and there's a massive match going on on Melbourne Arena, and you can hear it clearly inside Rod Laver Arena and Margaret Court Arena that are miles away. And I can still hear Peter above both of them. <laughs> now, I want to talk a little bit about anyone that may have come through qualifying. You did a lot of that. But, Chris, start with Jung Chung, who had to pull out with, with tendonitis. And the frustration with the Chung body, it just, a former semi-finalist here, it just, he can't get the body right. Yes, do you remember two years ago when he got to the semi-finals and he beat Djokovic? And Djokovic was coming back off, uh, what, six months out. And everyone was saying, wow, he's a successor to Djokovic. He's got almost the same sort of game. Absolutely. He battles for everything. His, his defence is just amazing and yet he is having the kind of problems early in his career that Djokovic was having Djokovic then seemed to get through them and then they came back um, I mean he's got to get that sorted because his whole game depends on him being fit you know there are some players who they have enough weapons that they can see themselves through a few injury niggles and they can give themselves time to heal them Chung has got to be fully fit, otherwise there's nothing there. And there's been so many false starts in his attempt to come back from the injuries he's had since that run to the semis two years ago. And maybe he's going to have to work with a very, very different sort of fitness guy. Maybe he's going to have to plan his schedule differently. Maybe he's going to have to plan two or three tournaments and then, uh, you know, a couple of months off, which is which is not easy to do. But just so that you actually get, he gets his body into a position where it's not going to break down so regularly. I mean, look what Federer's done late in his career. He's put more breaks in and it's, as long as you can come straight back and don't, don't need two weeks to get into your stride, uh, it can work for you. But uh, he may have to work out a different rhythm in his tournament schedule and that's not easy given that there are certain tournaments that are compulsory for your, uh, for your ranking. Peter, is there anyone you saw in qualifying that you just want to mark our card about? Well, I think uh, I've got good news for you. Ernest Gulbis has qualified. Has he? He has. He's entertaining to watch, isn't he? He has. He made it through the three rounds. It's very, very exciting. Uh, Max Purcell, young Aussie player, has done well. He's first time, right at the big time, getting through the qualifying here. Uh, another guy, Elliot Bonchetrit, the, the uh, French player who actually played Steve Dussis in the opening round. Steve, this is his last tournament. He beat him in straight. He wasn't playing well. Uh, that was the day we had the Storms. So he was 4-2 down and Darcy's was cruising along. Bontetreet was throwing his hat away. He was angry. He was frustrated. Comes back the next day, 
and gets the job done. It was amazing. And he's managed to follow that all the way through and actually qualify through to the event. Dennis Novak, the top seed, got through. So I think that's good news Good for friend him. of Dominic Team spends a lot of time practicing with Team. And Thomas Muster has been hanging around and, and keeping an eye on his matches this oh, week too, which is great. Uh, obviously coming off the back of ATP Cup 2. Quanton Ali's another one. And it's been a while, but I think, you know, we've been bereft because we haven't had a Norbert in the draw. Norbert Gombos is in the draw. It's the best tennis name. Is that not the best? Norbert Gombos. Yeah, it's a great name. And uh, I sort of I sort of feel it should I be I want to uh, root for him for seafood. no other reason than the name. Seafood. I yes. would, would you order a Norbert Gombos off a menu? Cause I, well, I wouldn't actually, I but I'm not into seafood. <laughs> Only if there was tartar sauce on the side. I, I just don't think I would. I'm just not sure actually what it might be. In terms of, I just throw some notable matchups from the first round out there. Obviously, there's there's many, many. You might have a different favourite, but Daniel Medved, I, I just want to see Medvedev Djokovic final. Daniel Medvedev against Francis Tiafo, Cecanato against Zverev. Where I saw Zverev wandering around the the media centre a short while ago. He seemed relaxed and smiling. But where is where is Zverev at the moment? I I was so I saw his matches in Brisbane up close, and for the first half of the first set, I thought for his first match, I thought beauty, this is going well and everything's going nicely. And then we're and then by the time the second set came around. The 2019s where I've arrived again. The second serve fell apart. It was brittle. He was throwing the racket. It was. I've got concerns, uh, real concerns at the moment about how he's going to turn around. Actually, stayed in Brisbane, so past the the ATP Cup, he actually hung around in Brisbane for the rest of the week to get some training in and and sort of be in that environment. He's sort of outwardly relaxed, but I mean the question mark has been at the majors and being able to get through those pressure points. I hope he's able to turn it around. I think we needed to cut him a bit of slack after last year with everything happening off the court, but he's now had a proper pre-season. Things are back on track off the court. It's now time to get it done on the court. Yeah, I think you're right about the... Um, it's almost like the year after the sophomore slump. It's, it's He's got to prove himself this year. I'm beginning to wonder whether he might end up being this generation's Thomas Birdie, where he's a great ball striker. He will always win lots of matches, but when it when push comes to shove, he'll be found wanting. And you said the 2019 Zverev came back after a set, but in a way, he would play really well in the early parts of sets last year, in the early parts of matches, and then lose his way in the middle. He got off to some great starts in matches and then just lost his way. And I just wonder... Um, I, I think he's too good a player not to come good at some stage, and I think he will win lots of matches, but whether he'll win them at the sharp ends of tournaments, I'm not sure. And it might actually be a good thing, and then we are going to move on because we've still got our time capsule to do, that these other guys, the Sitsa passes, the Medvedevs, are doing what they are doing because maybe taking a little bit of that heat. At first, you probably didn't like it. You don't want to see your peers going past you, but maybe in the long run, it'll be a good thing because it does take the heat off. Yeah, it depends though an awful lot what will happen with Sissipas and Medvedev. I mean, they both had great years last year, but they could have a second year, a bit like Zverev had last year. They may struggle to defend their ranking points this year, and you never know, Zverev might end up ahead of them at the end of the year. Well, we shall find out if anyone's gone for them in our team. It is time capsule time so everybody get settled what is it peter we can hear rattling on the table we've got the time capsule we actually glued it all back together after the sound effects extravaganza from the hard-working producer but it's now ready to be locked up again is it bigger no it's exactly is the it same still size. that tiny it looks yes. bigger 
it's not bigger. It hasn't grown. So the time capsule is something that anybody that is involved with ATP Tennis Radio gets involved with. We have a list of questions. The winner of the time capsule, which has been, well, Arv Palmer. He won it and he's defended his title. He's won Rudy the gold cherub with a nappy on and sunglasses is that is that right it has to be seen to be believed i mean it's awful it's hideous Uh, i'm told our producer said if you keep an eye on atp tennis radio's twitter feed there are going to be some pictures of arv holding his trophy in this gold naked cherub thing up there i I almost don't want to win it i suppose you want to win but i don't want to win it i caught up with arv in brisbane we did the first atp tennis radio (laughs) podcast i asked him i said have you been nose to the grindstone in the off season about putting your predictions together he said no i said is that just you're just lying (laughs) to me he said no i do it pretty much the day before and pop them in so that's the secret i've done mine you haven't done yours i noticed. no no i did it um i did it on the plane on the way over naomi cavaday and i were talking and she's like i don't want to win rudy i mean chris i don't know how you feel if there's room on your mantelpiece but naomi was saying i don't want to win i almost want to be so outrageous that i do not win it there is no room on my mantelpiece so i can (laughs) go into this with all my capacitive juices flowing